Hey, what's up, guys? I'm Taylor Rapp, former Washington Husky defensive back, and you are tuned in to the Circling Seattle Sports Podcast. Hello, and welcome to episode 44 of the Circling Seattle Sports Podcast. I am your lone host today, Charles Hamaker. Um, Bennett and Amari are not here today. Um, guys got busy. Uh, you know, so and it's it's gonna be a shorter episode regardless. So it's not uh, it's not like the worst thing in the world, but I'm still. Uh... Yeah, so Lindyon really uh, hit the na- nail on the head there. I'm I'm all by heh, all by myself today. So let's just get to it. Uh, episode forty four. We have soof. We do have some Seahawks news, despite it being the on the day that this, this is being report, recorded, Monday the 8th of February. This is the first official day of the NFL offseason. We already have some Seahawks news, um, as well as some stuff to go over from the last week. Uh, Shane Waldron had his press conference and made several st- uh, statements, uh, such as, we want to be the one that puts the foot on the gas pedal. So and he also mentioned having a balanced offensive attack, um, but also being able to have the explosive play. So kind of things that, you know, Waldron's comments really sort of uh, were a good marriage between sort of what Wilson wants and what uh, Pete Carroll wants and uh, that balanced attack, being able to run the ball and being able to air it out um, and get those big plays back. So, um you know, it's it's still a wait and see for me, and I'm sure the guys would say the same. But uh, I mean, the, the the comments were good. Comments, the comments sounded positive. But you know, anybody can say something good, and complete uh, their actions can be a different thing. So, uh, still still waiting to see um, how Shane Waldron runs this offense. Obviously, you have to wait till. You know the season starts for that, but you know it's uh it's it's a positive sign going forward. Um, and then speaking about offense, uh, quarterback Russell Wilson was in the news, um, for several reasons, and we'll just get into it. Uh, he said that the first bullet point I have is that he said that he has already begun preparations for next season, uh, focusing on really causing havoc for defenses, which is you know a good sign. Uh, Wilson was named Walter Payton NFL Man of the Year on the 6th of February uh, during NFL Honors the night before the Super Bowl. Uh, the NFL Man of the Year, uh, named after Walter Payton. Um, this is an, a tremendous honor. Um, goes to somebody that the league uh, recognizes as somebody who did really good charitable work and just you know work off the field um, through that year. And Wilson's been a guy that, I mean, I feel like this is long overdue. Um, but you know, it's really good to see him win that because I mean, we know, um, through his career, Wilson has been a guy, you know, that performed well, performs well on the field and shows, shows excellence both on and off the field. There we go. Found my words. Um, so it was really cool to see that, uh, to see him honored. Um, the other bullet point and perhaps the one that got the more, the most traction and attention, uh, was the two headlines that came out about sort of issues or new, well, news about Wilson. Uh, Not sure how to relate it, but Ian Rappaport reported that a couple teams had called Seattle to ask about a potential trade for Russell Wilson. 
Uh, the team told these callers that there's no chance it'll happen. And then reporter Jason LaCanforna Canfora, made an article saying that Seattle should listen to these offers and seriously consider them, which I think is beyond stupid. Um, just going to shoot that down right now. Obviously, there was some news um, with some fans that were disgruntled with Sia, uh, Wilson's play um, and wanted to trade for Deshaun Watson. Just come on. It's... We're just gonna stop that right now. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna entertain any of that. And we're just gonna. You know, it, it's not gonna be entertained. I'm not gonna have that entertained. I think Russell Wilson is the best quarterback in this franchise's history. I mean, we know what he can do. I can't give you an answer on what happened in that second half of the season, but uh, trading away the guy is not a good idea. Um, and then a report came out Monday today. Uh, Monday night around 9 p.m. that Wilson's camp Wilson's camp was frustrated with franchises the franchise's ability inability to protect him um, after he had been sacked a total 394 times in his ninth season career uh, and that's just I mean it's it's no secret that the line has been an issue in Seattle's time uh, Wilson's time here in Seattle there's never really been a line that was top tier it's always kind of been uh, there have been some staples on the line, but then some of the other guys have been plug and play. I mean, I'm, you know, the best O line was probably the Super Bowl line, and even then, it that line had its issues. So you know, it's just it it's these comments about Wilson's camp really only put pressure and bring urgency to general manager John Schneider and head coach Pete Carroll to sort of say, hey, we need to go out and improve the line. Um, and I do have a blog post that came out at 1 p.m. Uh, this Tuesday, uh, the 9th. Uh, you can go check that out on some candidates um, to fill in on that line because there's only, a, at least from what I see, there's only a few spots that need to be filled in um, or or upgrades, I guess you could say, uh, that need to happen there. So, I mean, it's I wouldn't put any stock into the whole Wilson trade thing. I know a lot of people are. But I mean, it's it's the off season, and when it's the off season, people need uh, headlines to make up, and they need something for clicks and attention. So I mean, you know, I remember when uh, Cam Chancellor wanted a contract extension, and there were rumors about him getting traded. You know, everybody, he's going here, he's going there. A couple of years ago, Russell Wilson was in the news uh, with Colin Cowherd saying that he wanted to be traded to New York. You know, I mean, come on, it's the off season. That happened in the offseason. Cam Chancellor's thing happened in the offseason. These things happen in the offseason. So, I mean, it's it's just people trying to get clicks most of the time. Sometimes they're stuck in it, but the majority of the time, it's a bunch of BS. So we're just going to ignore that. Um, well, not ignore it. Oh, well, no. Ignore the trade talks. The offensive line part and the protecting the quarterback part, that needs to be addressed. So that is something to monitor as free agency draws closer, uh, sort of paying attention to what Seattle does in relation to the offensive line. Uh, Former Seahawks head coach, he spent 1992 through 1994 with the team. Tom Flores uh, was inducted into the 2021 Pro Football Hall of Fame. Obviously, they only spent those years with Seattle, not a long tenure, but still counts. Uh, Seahawks cut guard Chance Warmack. Uh Chance Warmack was the only Seahawk to opt out 
of the season last year. Um, he'd been with Tennessee earlier in his career, uh, as well as Philadelphia, and he was sort of a depth signing for Seattle, but obviously things didn't pan out there. Uh, so, you know, all the bets to chance. Um, but, you know, won't be with Seattle, it seems, at least for the moment. Uh, and then former Seahawks Richard Sherman states that he wants to keep playing. And now I only keep stock in this, uh, considering the fact that I have clamored to have Seattle bring the cornerback back. He's had good years um, with the Niners in recent years. Um, and if you put him in the right position, he's still got that football IQ. He's always been a high football IQ guy. So it wouldn't it wouldn't be a bad thing to do. I mean, he's never had speed, really. So, I mean, it's not anything new. But if you – he would be helpful, I believe, on the field with his IQ as well as uh, to the other cornerbacks on this team in terms of a mentor role. Uh, the former Seattle cornerback wants to play two more years, he said, with a competitive team. So that – I mean, I guess you could say that Seattle. No, I'm kidding. It's, Seattle would be in that running. Um but it's it's really it's going to be interesting to see what Richard wants to do and where he wants to do it um, because obviously he says two years, um, but you know, uh, at the end of the day he's going to be a Hall of Famer. I don't think that's a doubt. Um, but, uh, you know, as I've said, I I would like to see him brought back just because I believe that he would bring a lot of good uh, to this team. So we were going to have a segment here uh, where Bennett and Omari revisit their Super Bowl predictions, but considering that they're not here, I believe it's unfair to do that without them. So I will leave that until next week, and we will get into it next week. We will get into the Mariners news now as it fastly, fastly, as it fast approaches. Uh, the spring training dates were announced February 17th, uh, eight days from now when this episode drops on the 9th. Uh, pitchers and catchers first report. February 18th, pitchers and catchers first workout. February 22nd, position players report. February 23rd, first player squad, pardon me, first full squad workout. And then February 28th is the first spring training game versus the San Diego Padres. So baseball is on the horizon. It will be here um, late next week. So, uh, well, people will first report late next week and then later in the month we will get actual games. So it'll be, we'll have to start to ramp up here. Uh, a roster look uh, breakdown will be coming uh, just to sort of see where the team is at right now. Um, and I did have a question ready to ask about this team's potential to get close to the playoffs this year. Notice how I said close. I didn't say get to the playoffs. I said close. Um, as I said last, excuse me, as I said, uh, once the season ended, I believe this team is two to three years off. And I, I'm saying now that we are in 2021, I think there were a year or two off. I don't necessarily think it'll happen this year. I think it'll happen in a year or two because that's just how a rebuild works. They started the rebuild last year and they went through it. Well, they started the rebuild halfway through 2019, um, they went through that weird season through the pandemic. Um, they've got a lot of young pieces, uh, especially in the farm system. And the farm system takes years to develop. You don't. It's not really like the NFL where guys come in and they play immediately. You're talking about guys who are young, um, 
and they they need to be developed. So I, I really do think one to two years. If I'm when you know when we're still, I'd say so. When we're here two a year from now, I can revisit this. Or two years from now, we can revisit this. Um, but I really do think that we're one or two years away um, from reaching the playoffs. It's kind of unreasonable to think that they're immediately going to win the World Series in those one to two years. I think playoffs is that just because of how many people have been complaining like little babies about a playoff appearance. I get it. So longest drought in the major four sports for playoffs. I get it. I can understand that. I'm competent. But you got to understand <laughs> who's not competent are the people who don't understand what a rebuild is. All right. So, you know, it's um, I'm excited. I really am excited for the young talent on this team. Uh, starting at starting with Kyle Lewis to Marco Gonzalez, who's not necessarily too young, but still uh, Marco Gonzalez and Shed Long and excuse me, uh, Justice Sheffield and Justin Dunn and the farm system. We could go on about the farm system. Uh, so there's there's pieces for this team, and there's going to be some growth, and it won't always be fun, but you know. That's just how it is, and you just got to be patient sometimes. So, you know, patience is something that some people should learn these days. So we will get into the rest of the other notes from around the league in the MLB. The MLB and the MLB Players Association agreed on terms for the 2021 season. The upcoming season will include seven inning double headers. Runners on second base to start extra innings for uh, for the second year in a row. Both of those rules uh, coming over from last year. There will be no universal DH or expanded playoff field. So no expanded playoffs like last year, and there will be no universal DH, uh, which had been sort of uh, a talking point here uh, with the negotiations for this upcoming season. As well as uh, another headline, the MLB is changing baseballs for the upcoming year in order to slightly deaden them, uh, you know, not give them as much pop. In, as in recent years, amid a year-long surge in home runs. And it hasn't been just a year-long surge. Uh, in past years, there's been more home runs. The home run rate has increased. So the MLB is trying to slow that down. I don't know if that's a good idea, considering uh, some people that watch baseball kind of only want that home run, uh, home run ball, and that might be something that might draw more attention to the league, but, uh, you know, kind of hard to tell there. Um, But that is the MLB news and the Seattle Mariners news. Seattle Sounders, I do not have any information for you. Uh, There were some signings. They signed a keeper. Uh, You know, it's kind of been quiet in terms of major things. The big thing right now is sort of seeing what the Sounders can do in terms of replacing not necessarily replacing or filling in for Jordan Morris because it's kind of hard to replace a guy like Jordan Morris as he's away on loan for Swansea. So, you know, that's Seattle Sounders. Seattle Storm, some pretty big information here. Um, Senator Crystal Langhorn announced her retirement. She will join the Storm front office as the inaugural director of community community engagement. Uh, Langhorn spent seven of her 13 years uh, of her career with Seattle. Uh, So, Big thank you to Crystal Langhorn for all she did for the team on the court. Now transitioning into that off the court uh, director of community engagement role and just, you know, 
Uh, I'm sure she'll do great in that role. She's always been a staple. I mean, I can remember going back to um, sort of back when my parents had season tickets uh, to the storm. Langhorn, Crystal Langhorn is always a name that stuck out. Maybe it's just because it's a unique name, but you know, seven years in Seattle here. I mean, it's, it, the name was going to stick around for me. So, you know, all the best to her in her retirement from playing, but now we're in her new front office role. Um, and then the team signed veteran forward Candace Dupree in free agency. Uh, a pretty big signing here, considering what Dupree has done. Dupree's a seven time all star. Uh, she spent four seasons with Chicago, seven with Phoenix, and three with Indiana with career averages of 14.4 points per game, 1.9 assists per game, 1.9 assists per game, and 6.6 rebounds per game. Uh, she stated in her prepped conference with the media today on Monday that a goal of hers as she sort of end, uh, end, uh, nears her career end was to go out with a bang, and she wanted to join a team uh, that could help her get to another WNBA championship. Seattle obviously coming off of that championship uh, in 2020 and two in, uh, from 2018 to 2020 is a key candidate for that, uh, as well as having the players like Brianna Stewart and Jewel Lloyd in their lineup and being able to play with Sue Bird. So, uh, and even Sue Bird expressed, uh, incur- uh, ooh, expressed excitement in playing with Dupree um, so it's, it's, uh, I mean, and Dupree does have championship experience winning a WNBA championship in 2014 with a Mercury. Um, so she, she's a veteran. I mean, she's proven, uh, also playing professionally in Asia and Europe, um, being selected in the six, uh, six overall spot in 2006 by Chicago. So, I mean, it's, it's adding another great, uh, I mean, seven-time All-Star Rookie of the Year. I mean, WNBA All-Rookie Team, WNBA Champion. The experience is greatly can be. I mean, it can't be exaggerated. Um, and having lost Alicia Clark, this is a good signing just to have another a veteran there that will help. Um, I don't know if you can really ever replace Alicia Clark, but you know, uh, this is a big signing for Seattle, and will more than likely help them as the team prepares. Uh, going into this 2021 season here. Uh, I did try to look to see when we will find out about season dates, but there has been nothing yet. So we're just kind of in the free agency period for now. And it's uh, important to keep an eye out uh, for what else Seattle may do in the free agency market. So that is all I've got for you for Seattle Storm News. Um don't have any Sonics news. I, I have it on there uh, for when the time comes. But, you know, for now, time has not come. Seattle Kraken news. Do have a bit of news here. The NHL is targeting an October 13th start date. That is a Wednesday for the 2021 to 2022 season. That season would be this next upcoming season for the NHL. And that would be the first season for our Seattle Kraken. While this is not finalized yet, uh, it would mean that there would be a mid-October opening for the Kraken and not a sort of pushed-back opening. Um, and that would be, you know, only... It wouldn't be that far away uh, compared to having to move the 
compared to the NHL having to move anything back. So you could be looking at some Kraken games here in October on Root Sports, as I mentioned a few weeks ago. Uh, Root Sports is the home of the Kraken in terms of television. So that's uh, that's something to look forward to. Obviously, we've got the whole spring and summer to get through, but you know it's it's sooner than uh, what had first been anticipated, uh, considering that the NHL had to postpone or had moved back the season this year. Um, having it be all different compared to when it normally starts. So that is cracking news. Uh, Seattle Dragons will not kick off until 2022, so we're going to have to wait a little bit for our friends there in the XFL. Uh, you know, football, there's only one piece of information. On National Signing Day, UW landed wide receiver Jalen Polk via transfer. Polk is a f- true, f- uh, true sophomore. Uh, from Texas Tech University, totaling 28 catches, 264 yards, and two touchdowns last year as freshman. So adding another receiver uh, to the offense there. And that was sort of it for the UW men's football thing. There was UW's men's football team. Uh, there's a name to watch in JT. Goodness, I can't pronounce his name. and I don't want to botch it. Uh, he's a five-star recruit from Eastside Catholic. He has not... Uh, announced where he will commit he wants to be able to visit a couple schools in person prior to doing that so there will be a wait for that i believe he said april so that would be a big get on the defensive line um adding to that defense so that will have to wait as we shift into basketball here i do not have positive news for you uh in the men's section the team lost at oregon state 91 to 71 uh, Marcus Deshaunis led with scoring in 22, with 22. Riley Soren led with rebounds with six. And Eric Stevenson led assists with two. At Oregon, they lost 86 to 74. Quade Green led every category. Uh, he led scoring with 23, assists with four, and rebounds with four. So pretty solid game by Quade Green, uh, but not enough to help the Huskies beat Oregon. The team sits at 3 and 14, 11th in the Pac 12. And the upcoming games are versus USC on the 11th of February and versus number one, number 21 ranked UCLA on the 13th of February. So they've got the three games. Uh, I, the bet with Bennett, uh, or what the bet? Mm, yes. Uh, on whether or not the team would win more than four games is still in doubt. Uh, so, I mean, there's still some, uh, Decent amount of schedule. I mean, yeah, decent amount of schedule to get through. So could happen, but we will see. In the women's side, uh, versus USC, they lost 63 to 54. Versus number five, UCLA, they lost 84 to 50. Versus USC, the scoring leader was Haley Van Dyke with 20. Versus, uh, ooh, pardon me. In rebounds, Quay Miller led with nine. And then assists, Darcy Rees led with four. Versus number five, UC, yes, UCLA. Uh, Haley Dan Van Dyke led with 13. Quay Miller led with eight. And Alexis Grigsby led with two assists. Um, oh, pardon me. Quay Miller led with eight rebounds. I don't remember if I said that. I apologize. Kind of messed up there. Uh, tripped over my words. Uh, the team now sits at 4-10, and 10, 11th in the Pac-12. And I, uh, the upcoming schedule for the women's basketball team, they will face... Pardon me. For some reason, it did not save. 
my upcoming schedule for the women's basketball team. So I'll pull that up here. Um, it's been an, it's been a tough year for Husky basketball. Um, on the men's side, it, it's sort of unclear uh, how long we'll see Mike Hopkins uh, as the coach just because of how there's been a lack of production. Uh, but I'm not sure if the department wants to move on from him just yet um, or if they'll decide that, hey, you know, things aren't working out. We've got to find somebody else. Um, so, you know, it'll we'll see. I mean, they made uh, they made the NCAA tournament uh, last year, so it's not like it's uh, – well, in recent years. Um, so it's not like um, – it's not like he's had a bad team every year, but it, it, it's, it's not what the team wants necessarily. It's not what the program wants wants i mean you're sitting there with i mean you're second to last in the pac-12 so you know you'd want you probably want to have things improve so here we go sorry had to find that uh on the 12th of february a friday they will the women's basketball team will face arizona state um at 4 p.m and on the 14th, on Sunday, on Valentine's Day at 11 a.m., they will face number 10-ranked Arizona. And then, oh, jeez, number 10-ranked Arizona. And in the women's side, they've had to face a really tough Pac-12 with multiple ranked opponents. So, you know, it's 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 not like they're playing a bunch of other bad teams. It's it's just been a tough year for Husky basketball. So, And in coming weeks here, I do want to include uh, the other Husky athletics. I do put Husky athletics in the description of this podcast. So I really need to include, include the soccer team and the volleyball team amongst others, as they're both ranked volleyball is ranked 10th and UW soccer has been killing it. So both of those teams look for them to be added. So you've got more Husky uh, athletics to look forward to on this podcast. I am your only host this week, Charles Hammaker. I would like to salute Everyone listening to this, uh, and on behalf of both Bennett and Omari, I want to apologize for some of my gaffes today. Don't know why I tripped over my words, but you know, this is another uh, a week of the dead part of the year in terms of Seattle sports, and it's going to be even more dead since the NFL season just officially ended. Um, I say more dead, despite the fact that we've gotten some off-season sort of drama in regards to Russell Wilson. So. We will see how that goes, but with storm free agency sort of ramping up and with the Mariners getting back to spring training, uh, there's something, some things to monitor. So one of the shortest episodes in months. Um, I will see you all next Tuesday, hopefully with my friends here. Uh, have a good rest of your week. Baba Bowie.